2: that's right my name is Scott Adams you're listening to the Scott Adams show I'm joined by Leonor Kravota hello Leonor
3: good morning Scott
2: so um, you know uh, I was um, looking over the East Palestine thing and um, you know I can't help but think that uh, you know there's politics in play there because uh, it's a, it's a very conservative area and you know I think that politi- some of the politicians that suggested that um, Norfolk Southern should pay the bill there is probably the right cause. Even if you go back to Exxon Valdez, for right. example, Exxon was footing the bill for that. Not so, the
3: federal government, not the right. American taxpayers.
2: Right. But for the FEMA to just, you know, not get involved at all, you know, when they know that this this town is underwater and over its head, yeah, you know, in, in over its head, yeah. Um, it, they need help. You know and they've they been crying help. for help, and it may not even be that they need federal dollars as much as they need um, people with a little bit of muscle to get a big corporation like Norfolk Southern to cooperate a little bit better, but right now it seems more like Norfolk Southern and FEMA are eating East Palestine's lunch
3: well, what they need is they need somebody who can organize what's going on over there, organize the cleanup organize uh so the so-called retributions or whatever. And and even if it isn't immediately hard dollars, it is resources and it's a conduit to hard dollars.
2: Well, J.D. Vance went out there. Yeah. And that was a pretty good political move. If Very anything. good political yeah. move. Yeah. And,
3: you know, it also cements uh, the, you know, the platform that he wrote in on that he was, you know, for the little guy, for
2: the little guy. And you don't get much smaller than East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, like I say, I, I grew up in that area. Probably 20, 30 minutes from East Palestine, somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, I think that they were on our schedule for teams that we used to play in high school. And
3: you know people around there, too. Still. Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people that are going to be affected. We have lots uh, of fr- friends and family from that area. And they, you know, I've gotten some firsthand accounts of things that have been happening. And uh, it's not good. No. It's not good at all. And, um, you know, but I. It's big Trump country out there. People love Trump. They can't stand Joe Biden. So you also have to then worry about a little bit of this um, politics. You know, even on our side, we might be guilty of a bias, right? So, for example, remember when Puerto Rico had their catastrophe, yeah. their, their hurricane? And Trump did everything he could to help these Puerto Ricans out, right? And he put, and next thing you know, People were saying, we're dying here. You know, like it was a big political fiasco, mm-hmm. right? They were trashing Trump every chance they got. And one of the things was, and excuse the noise, but there's a jackhammer outside uh, tearing a building down. But in any case... We call
3: that progress and in industry. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's Amazon's moving in to our neck of the woods. As
3: I said, progress and in industry. <laughs>
2: well, here's the thing. So... Um, you know, they had bottles of water in trucks that weren't even delivered. Right. And they were t- claiming that they were out of water. And I'm like, okay, there's trucks there.
3: Because they had the, a bottleneck within their existing well, they Well,
2: they may have had a bottleneck. And I think it was also Democrat politicians not really caring whether they starved people to death because political power is what they wanted. And they stopped the trucks from going into town. And these bottles of water rotted. And uh, they were undrinkable after a while. So, there's a lot of politics in play. I mean, you take a look at the open border. Do you th- really think Democrats care one lick about people dying on the border or whether or not they're raiding people's houses down there? No, they don't care. All they care about is one thing, and that's power. But in any case, um, that's what we see down there. And, uh, but you know, uh, they should th- I said this uh, you know I said this the other day that we we are not electing our best we're not electing our nation's best uh basically we are electing officials that don't know how to handle a covid pandemic that they themselves were responsible for yeah they don't know how to handle a train train derailments apparently Pete Buttigieg is in way over his head yet Jean-Pierre yesterday was asked the question um, do you have full confidence in... Oh, yeah, we have full confidence. Not, no hesitation there. With uh, we Mayor have Pete. full
3: co- confidence in Mayor Pete. She's still calling him Mayor Pete. Yeah, like that's a nickname. The page We love she, him. She, that's Identity the page Politics. she is on. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, Ian um, Rand wrote about um, train derailments and problems and things like that years ago in Atlas Shrugged. These are not new problems. These are issues that have gone on for a long time. But if we don't have the proper infrastructure from a financing standpoint and from a staffing standpoint to look into train problems, you know, this impacts our entire society. It impacts, uh, you know, how we get from point A to B. Uh, point B. It also impacts, you know, obviously if there's a, cat- a catastrophe, there needs to be a detailed analysis of what went wrong. We can't just have train derailments and just, you know, fluff it off.
2: Well, get this. So we heard about the train derailment in East Palestine. All right. There was a train derailment in South Carolina. There was a train derailment in Houston. There was a truck that overturned in Tucson. And yesterday, uh, you got uh, in Van Buren Township, yeah, um, out, a suburb of Detroit. Yeah. You had another train derailment. Yeah. And you know what Pete Buttigieg's response is? Well, although East Palestine got uh some some more attention than usual, <laughs> maybe because people are going to be sick from it, fish are dying and all kinds of other things um he says. Train derailments happen almost three times a day. Like three, We get 1,000 trained derailments a year.
3: And that should be ha-ha-ha? I mean, but the, the point is just because it happens more frequently than people are aware Maybe of. Maybe
2: we ought to focus on why that's happening. We and need
3: to solve the problem. We can't just, you know, say that and, you know, trivialize it by citing statistics. It, this is what happens when, you know, a missing person happens and we all focus on it. Usually it's a good-looking blonde girl or something like that who's missing and all the attention goes on this and we hear about it for days on end and, and in more situations than not it's well, not looks. a good outcome but let, let me, let me, let, me, make my, let, me let, let me make my point but the point, but the point is, is that people will come out and say well there's, this happens every day why is this one case getting attention well yeah this one case may be getting attention because it's emblematic of everything else that's out there and all of the cases need to get attention but the public is so limited in their thinking that they can't they can only think about one thing at a time so so if we focus attention on what's going on in Palestine then we uh, you know as a uh, you know as a vanguard then we got to go move forward and deal with all the other problems that are happening not just trivialize it and say oh gee it happens every other day
2: right right so I wrote this to uh, j- just before the show about one minute before the show (laughs) and uh, I put this out on Twitter and I said pipelines are cleaner I said although pipelines are cleaner more efficient than trains transporting oil trains do serve a purpose transporting a variety of toxic chemicals there's no way to get around the fact that we're always going to need trains but the problem is greed I said shuttering keystone was a mistake born out of greed like a waiter wanting a bigger section in the restaurant, you know. Yeah. They, what you end up giving up is serviceability, service, right? So the customer is left holding the bag, but the waiter walks on with a bigger amount of money in his pocket, right? Well, having
3: grown up in the restaurant business, I remember that scenario and I well. I, know. I waited
2: tables. It's like, wait, if you if you bring on another waiter, that's going to be less money in my pocket it, because we're exa- going to have to split up the. You know,
3: but from the house's tips. perspective, if uh, the customers are poorly then served, then you have less customers. Then you in the have long less run. customers in the long run.
2: And, and so this this goes like this: like a like a waiter wanting a bigger section, the service suffers. But rail systems are stressed right now. Yeah. So the point that I'm making is that you know Warren Buffett lobbied to close the Keystone Pipeline, which was a direct competitor to his tra- rail system investments and i'm not sure if norfolk uh, southern is one of under his investments i what think about- it, i think it is i think berkshire hathaway is heavily invested in Norfolk Southern. And also there and was as Tom Steyer. As is Vanguard and, and BlackRock. Now, St- Tom Steyer had a, a designs on another pipeline. He had
3: a competing project. And, w- and this has gone back nine years ago yeah. when we, I wrote about this. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But you have this triangulation, though. You have a whole bunch of things competing. And so the Keepstone Pipeline obviously was on the wrong side of the equation. Mm-hmm. Just like Johnson & Johnson didn't fare well in the Pfizer uh, against Pfizer and Moderna. Because the kickbacks that were coming from Pfizer and Moderna, and their being on the board of the World Economic Forum, uh, gave them carte blanche. Whereas Johnson and Johnson didn't fare as well um, with those investments, um, but it was all I found a, on the web. it was all a scheme. And um, in any case, I think we need to reevaluate this. Well, we certainly need to reevaluate. Pipelines work, right? Pipelines are more efficient. They're better than trains, but they're limited. They can't, they cannot uh, deliver chemicals. They can, but you got to set up pipelines specific for one type of thing. and You can't mix chemicals and oil, but you can do that on the same train rig. On the same train run, you can mix chemicals and oil, right? Toxic yeah. chemicals. Yeah and oil and coal and this and that and containers and all kinds of stuff. So that's the benefit of trains. But they don't want the company they want the whole oil business too. And that's where the greed comes in and that's where the analogy with the waiter comes in. Uh, so we have to get around that. We have to fix that problem. Alright, so that I wanted to get that piece off but um, I got to tell you Um there is a. Uh, we played a couple of interesting things about the um, Nord Stream pipeline yesterday, uh, how it's an attack on Germany, mm-hmm. how uh, blowing up that pipeline, getting rid of the Keystone pipeline, is going to result in inflation and energy crisis across the board. And although, you know, like I said yesterday, <clears throat> and I'll say it again today, this is always. Uh, The reason why they hate Putin so much is because Putin uh, is stealing their money on the black market for oil distribution. That's what's happening. Putin is enemy number one, but only from a financial sense. Because nothing since Hillary hit the reset button a long time ago, Putin has really done nothing to aggravate the West, except for he went into Crimea. Crimea. Mm-hmm. And he did that under Obama because he had Obama. Remember Obama before mm-hmm. the 2012 yeah. election? Yeah. After my election, I'll have more flexibility. Mm-hmm. They were in, on all kinds of back deals. And some people were suggesting that NATO is um, the aggressor. Uh, well, and I, I would agree. NATO mo- is moving closer and closer to Russia. And it's not Russia expanding nearly as much as NATO. But see, NATO is sort of like a virtual country, right? Because it's a consortium, it's a it's a um, a group, and the countries aren't changing their boundaries, but they're they're taking on sort of like a European Union within a European Union, right? And that's NATO. And so it was an interesting exchange yesterday. And then we're going to also get into Klaus Schwab and this World Economic Forum summit, global summit that they had. But listen to this exchange. Pentagon BSer John Kirby confronted with persistent journalists. It was really, really quite interesting to hear John Kirby. And it's best we play some of these clips anyway because we got so much noise outside of our uh, studio. Ah, uh, because they're tearing down this building to make way for Amazon. So, in any case, and they tend to do it right during our show.
3: Yeah,
2: <laughs> three hours after our show, it's not quite as loud. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're live, so that's what happens. There you go. All right, here we go. So you
1: look at this and say the reason that the Russian army is on NATO, uh, the, the Russian army is at NATO's doorstep, is because NATO has expanded, rather than the, the Russians expanding. That, in other words. NATO has moved closer to Russia rather than Russia moving closer to NATO. Is that not an accurate way to look at this? I
4: think that's the way President Putin probably looks at it. It's certainly not but the way that we look
1: at it. You don't you don't think that NATO has expanded eastward toward Russia? NATO
4: has expanded, okay. and, and
1: the expansion so the has reason, been a good
4: thing for. So the
1: reason that the Russian army is at NATO's doorstep is not the fault of the Russian army. Not the it's not the Russian army that's done it, it's NATO has moved closer to mo- – moved I'm pretty east. sure
4: it wasn't NATO who was ordering you know, upwards of 15 battalion tactical groups to within 10 kilometers of the border with Ukraine. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't NATO who put little green men inside Ukraine to destabilize okay. eastern cities. Well, I'm states. pretty sure
1: that Ukraine is not a member of NATO. So unless that's changed
4: – It's not, it's not okay. changed. But I'm so, pretty sure the movement by Russia is Russia's NATO, decision. Has NATO
1: – if NATO has moved east – the reason that the Russian army is closer or on NATO's doorstep is because NATO moved, not NATO is not
4: an, an anti-Russia alliance. NATO is a security
1: alliance. For, for 50 years, it was an anti-Soviet alliance. So, We're do you Soviet not understand Union it? Now. So do you not understand how, or can you not even see how the <laughs> Russians would perceive it as a, as a threat? And the fact that it keeps getting closer to their border while their troops. I mean, the the places where their troops are, you say their troops are, and may may have been in Ukraine and Georgia, are not NATO members.
4: I don't have – I'm not going to pretend to know what goes in President Putin's mind or Russian military commanders. I mean, I barely got a history degree at the University of South Florida. What I can tell you you is that that, uh, NATO is a defensive alliance. It remains
1: a defensive alliance. Fair enough, but it has moved east, correct? I mean, that's just a fact. It has expanded, absolutely. Right, exactly. But there's no reason reason for
4: anybody to think the expansion – is a hostile or threatening move, and we've been saying that throughout the last fifteen years, man. Like
1: you, you're, you're moving closer to Russia. You're blaming the Russians for being close to NATO. No, 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 no. That's exactly what Hague's We're for. blaming
4: the Russians for violating the territorial integrity of Ukraine right. and destabilizing
1: okay, the security which situation. Which is not a NATO member.
4: Which is not a NATO. I, I, I see.
3: Other you countries feel threatened. India.
2: Well, that's not a new audio clip, but no. that is a very poignant one because that is really part of this escalation and tension. But the blow-up of the Nord Stream 2 was a direct attack against Germany. Yeah, And again, that's because Schroeder is the former president of Germany, who now owns Gazprom, who was getting all kinds of oil coming down from Russia with Nord Stream 1 and facilitating Nord Stream 2, which was basically going to make the Polish uh, pipeline secondary. And it was also going to put out of business uh, the Middle East uh, Iraqi pipelines that ISIS was protecting Mm -hmm. and that the State Department and CIA were involved with. And like I said, too, it's worth reminding people that these are not military exercises in Ukraine and elsewhere. Like when we overthrew Qaddafi, when we um, get involved in these conflicts in Ukraine. These are CIA operations. Victoria Nuland was involved in the overthrow in dic- uh, of, a dic- of one dictator to another in Ukraine in 2014. She had those co- conversations with David Pyatt, and she was basically talking about um, all kinds of different leadership changes, and they were basically picking and choosing. So, you know, the so-called brains over at the State Department, the bunch of liptards. Uh, basically hatch these stupid ideas because they're morons and they basically go, out, go over there and they hire their CIA and they hire their USAID to go ahead and finance and pay off people and strong arm people and it's not the American way. It's more like a bunch of radical lefties embracing in terrorism because that they've learned their trade craft from the Mujahideen, probably. But whatever it is, it's wrong. It's not American. It's not the way America was built. It's not the way we handled our foreign policy. It's not the way we did things in the in the early days. I mean, a century ago. We had a lot more to uh, standards. But those standards have gone out the window. And Hillary Clinton was one of the worst offenders of this. You know, she talks about Gaddafi. We came, we saw, he died, and laughed about it. What kind of monster does that? Who laughs about the debt when you're involved in killing people? They overthrew Mubarak. And again, Egypt and Libya, Gaddafi and Mubarak, Egypt and Libya. Mubarak from Egypt, Gaddafi from Libya. And they just kicked them out of office. And that happened under the Obama regime. And what they did was they were toll collectors because they were basically saying, if you're going to run a pipeline through our countries into, into Africa, we're going to collect. So they said, well, we're going to kill you. And I agreed they did that. And they basically then took the oil out of Iraq and ran it into Africa in exchange for precious gold and minerals. And they, they uh, sent it into Europe. For a whole bunch of other things, weapons distribution channels, and and to, to compete with Russia and to weaken Russia. And so these black market deals that were perpetuated by Mitt Romney and his cohort, Cofer Black, and a whole bunch of others, sat on boards like Burisma, along with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. And Lindsey Graham and John McCain were in Latvia, Lithuania, Ukraine, uh, Cyprus, Middle East— hanging out with baghdadi the whole ball of wax back in the day. And that's why they called it ISIL instead of ISIS. These are all coded languages. It's coded language when antifa.com goes to whitehouse.gov. That is a wink and a nod coded language. They speak in code. And that is code. And we're run by a bunch of villains and right now, we don't know who to trust, but people in the middle class in America and around the world are being attacked by an aggre- their aggressors. And their aggressors are the government officials that they actually pay the salaries for. And that's the sad part of it. And so we're not electing our best. And they're rigging elections to get this done. And that's why you know we have to end ballot harvesting. We have to end... We have to end this um, mass mailing of ballots out. That There ought to be a law that says you can't do that. That there's got to be a better chain of custody for a ballot. Because everybody that comes into California, for example, ends up getting registered as soon as they get their driver's license. So they push for the license to, so that uh, illegal illegals can get a job and drive. But then they automatically register them to vote. It's an automatic motor voter kind of deal. And then as soon as they get that, now everybody knows that they're going to get a ballot sent out because it's mass mailing of ballots every time. You don't have to apply for one. And the person that's getting the ballot doesn't even have an address. But somehow it's going to a specific address. And they're being picked up by ballot harvesters. And they're being processed by ballot harvesters. They're being dropped off over a course of 30 days into drop boxes all over the place. And then they're being um, counted on, counted as votes. And the net result of that is that a guy like Joe Biden or a woman like Katie Hobbs ends up with an 85% turnout of these ballots. And all of a sudden, everybody that's coming through the border (laughs) that just recently got registered is voting Democrat. 85% turnout without ever campaigning, without ever leaving their dungeon. They, they get 85% turnout. Now that's just an, uh, that's just not even true. Right? That that's on its face can never happen. There was all kinds of science involved in the lead up of elections on how to turn out votes. Now they don't even care. They don't care what they say. That's why you get a guy like McAuliffe that could say, you know, parents shouldn't have a right to say what's good for their children. It should be the school board that, said, that controls the children. And he lost because Virginia had probably some better laws. It wasn't quite as rigged as say California mm-hmm. has been for the last thirty years. And Arizona and Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, the battleground states. But you better believe there's gonna be in Georgia now, and you better believe there's gonna be more fraud in Virginia because they, they're not gonna want that to happen again. Virginia is like on the they'll need some help with the fraud. So you're going to see more fraud. It's, a very, it's very liberal in the northern part of Virginia, and that's where you're going to see a lot of fraud. By the way, these fleet of Chinese balloons seen over multiple continents have been tested for hypersonic missile delivery systems. How does that make you feel? And Joe Biden yesterday was sitting around saying um, that they're private industry balloons, weather balloons maybe. <laughs> You know, we don't really know what they are, but uh, we think they're private. Okay. Oh, there we go. Okay. Once again, so, Joe is clueless. So, so then it must not be classified. Then tell us who, who the companies are. Yeah. But you know, the journalists won't ask these stupid questions. I mean, they're very basic questions. It's like you can't just get up there and say they're private industry. We think they might be private industry and weather balloons uh, pri- sent up privately. Okay, tell us who the private company is. Must not be classified if that's the case. Tell us who it is. Tell us who it is. And so we can ask that company, right. why are you sending up these mysterious balloons that yeah. have hypersonic sonic delivery systems on them?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what it is? It's this image of a balloon. I mean, people, are, you know, uh, in the very beginning, you know, we were, it was being treated very seriously by people. But now as it's gone on and there's been balloon after balloon, it, it's becoming, uh, I don't want to use the word laughable, but the actual image of a balloon is something that's a child image. It's, it's become an example yeah. of the puffiness of the Biden administration.
2: So I said this, the Chinese Communist Party previously tested weapons systems that would use inflatable balloons as weapons delivery systems to launch hypersonic missiles. The programs would allow the regime to deploy powerful missiles in high Earth orbit. And then use gravity to accelerate them. And, you know, the thing is, is that this would not be the first time, though, that balloons have been used. It's been used in the 20s. Yeah. This was just like electric cars. (laughs) Electric cars actually were popular, I think, in the 20s or 30s. And then they did away with them. Everything
3: old is new again.
2: Yeah. But I'm telling you, battery uh, cars... I don't believe that they have the future that people think that they're going to yeah. have. Uh, the only reason why they might have the future is, is, is because um, you have social, socialists and globalists that are putting uh, combustible engine vehicles out of business on purpose and making electric the only game in town. But we're going to have shortages as a result of that, and it's going to be a lesser quality of life as a result of that you know i i saw a meme yesterday where there was a helicopter flying in the air de-icing a windmill yeah how much jet fuel was that helicopter using to de-ice a windmill that wasn't turning
3: well that's the distorted logic. logic with all this
2: i mean it's just so frustrating the the, you know and you know we're not hiring our best and the people that are in charge are these wackadoodles. I was watching this video of all these medals of honor that Obama was handing out. And it was Ellen Degenerate. Um, it was um,
3: oh, did uh, you do Tom that? Hanks. Did you do that on purpose? Call her Ellen Degenerate?
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, Tom Hanks, uh, Bobby De Niro, right? It turns out that everybody that Obama gave a award to was on what? What list were they on?
3: Well, they were his donor list.
2: The Epstein list.
3: Ah, oh. yeah, that list too.
2: <laughs> the Epstein flight logs. Yeah, every single one of them has something to protect and to hide. Uh, here it says EU terrified of free speech on Elon Musk's Twitter. MEP says so. The idea that free speech could spread on Elon Musk's Twitter is terrifying many within the European Union and MEP serving in the bloc's parliament said. So basically what they're doing is they're now trying to fine and put out a business, Twitter, and isolate and ban Twitter because Twitter is advocating for less censorship and more free speech.
3: But what's happening now is Twitter is feeling the pressure, and they are starting to block more people. So that you know, so that so that's the other situation that's taking place.
2: So this is a pretty big deal. Um, it's actually a pretty big deal in my opinion. Um, but Harriet Hangman from Wyoming, mm-hmm. who replaced Liz Cheney, mm-hmm. well, she just endorsed Donald Trump for president twenty twenty four. I mm-hmm. thought, well, why wouldn't she? I mean, President Trump endorsed her. Right, of course. But uh, she, I'm so proud of her for doing that.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's good.
2: Because, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, 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 DeSantis,
3: and, and Nikki Haley now, and Nikki Haley has come out when they asked her about President Trump, her talking points were, yeah, President Trump is my friend and he was the right president at the time. And then she brought up a, a new generation. And then she also described herself as a brown girl among black and white. Uh, people, So she's now playing the uh, the race card and the age card and, you know, out with the old and with the new card. Yeah. So.
2: We're not going to be taking calls right now. A couple of calls came in, but uh, we're done. not this moment, but maybe later in the show. Um, also, um, uh, Nikki Haley, um, you just mentioned Nikki Haley. Yeah. Um, she went to. She went to skin color.
3: Well, that's what I just said. Yeah. She went to skin color and she's also going indirectly going to age. Because she's basically saying that President Trump was the right president at the time. Now we need new new blood.
2: We need new new blood. Well, I mean, Obama did the same
3: thing about Hillary Clinton. He said, don't you kind of want that new car smell? And as much as I can't stand Hillary Clinton, I said, you know, that's a really offensive analogy. Yeah.
2: Well, let's take a listen to Nikki Haley. Let's take a listen.
3: I'm more confident than ever that we can make this vision real in our time. Because that's what I've seen my entire life. As a brown girl growing up in a black and white world, I saw the promise of America unfold before me. As the proud wife of a combat veteran, I saw our people's deep love of... Yeah, and I
2: have heard the other clip, too, where she talks about young blood, and I right away sense that. So, you know, you know that she's got this campaign manager that's, like, writing some scripts, and she's coming out with, I'm brown... I'm a person of color. I'm a woman. You know, identity politics, and I'm young, and uh, I don't know. She's from South Carolina. I don't know what they're what what uh, why they're electing Lindsey Graham and, and Nikki Haley. Well,
3: you know what? I I was at something the other night, and a couple people were asked, people in the know, as you like to say, about um, Nikki Haley versus Tim Scott, who are both going to be running for president, both from South Carolina. And you know what everybody was saying? Given a choice, they were going for Tim Scott.
2: Oh, yeah. Tim Scott. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, Absolutely. Um, Tim Scott said, basically, if Trump is running, I'm not going to run. Yeah. Uh, It would be be political suicide. Of course. um, Nikki Haley doesn't have a future in politics, um, so she doesn't have anything to lose. Tim Scott wants to continue to be senator.
3: But she's making the mistake so, of playing the race and the age card because you know what, people are tired of identity politics. And guess what? We've had a, a graying of America. People, the the baby boomers are getting older. The age, the young baby boomers are getting older, and the people who are out there voting who are engaged don't yeah. want to hear that you know about old blood and young blood.
2: Well, I'll tell you, the worst endorsement uh, you could ever receive is one by George Bo- George Soros, unless you're a radical left <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> So, George Soros basically endorsed Ron DeSantis. And I think it's a ploy. I think it's a trick. Yeah. I think he might think incorrectly, just like they thought that MAGA candidates were bad candidates, like, you know, McCarthy and McConnell and McDaniel, the McRhinos, all thought that MAGA candidates were not going to get the job done. And you know you could almost argue they didn't but that's because McCarthy, McCarthy and uh, McConnell were funding other candidates against maga candidates. Yeah. And they were going out of their way to trip maga candidates up and then there was election rigging. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to talk about that but you know Katie Ho- Katie um Hobbs was no comparison and no match to um to Kerry Lake, yeah. right? And, and then you got Fetterman who committed himself ye- yesterday from what was it what was the it reason? was for
3: depression
2: depression yeah. and, and you know and what's
3: upsetting about this whole thing is when he was running and he had had the strokes they were not willing to come forward and say that this man is not capable of holding elected office and now we see that the physical problems have created uh, mental problems right. that, that the pressure on him is so great you can only have you have to have pity for him but we also have be realistic and say that the people of Pennsylvania deserve better
2: well now Josh Shapiro, the governor, yeah. Democrat, is going to get a real Democrat candidate that's going to be, um, you know, savvy enough, I guess, um, or it could be his wife, <laughs> which would well, be Well, which would be not good. Yeah, yeah. She's from Brazil and she's sort of corrupt herself. But here's the thing. Um, this is what happens when you have election fraud. The result is you have candidates that can't serve the people
3: yeah.
2: yeah and that's that's a classic case in point. How is it that a guy that's practically brainless, Fetterman who walks around in shorts looks like a a monster and looks he looks like a freak, you know this guy and he he he's obviously damaged health wise he loses uh he beats. Dr. Oz, a cardio cardiologist, heart surgeon,
3: with high public visibility. Yeah, it I, just I, it wasn't believable. That
2: that to me, that, if, if that doesn't say there's election fraud in Pennsylvania, I don't know what does. Honestly, because there's nothing really. Look, I wasn't the biggest Oz fan, but he would have certainly gotten my vote over Fetterman. Absolutely. Um, you know, but. And it's, the only reason why I didn't like Oz is because he was too far to the center. Yeah. He wasn't conservative enough. No, he wasn't. So, I mean, how in the world then did he lose to Fetterman? Yeah. You know, how how left wing has Pennsylvania become? Well, having lived there, it's not a radically left state. Not the whole state. I think state. that the election fraud is radically left. And the fraud is happening in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh everywhere else in that state is common sense mm-hmm. but Philadelphia is so corrupt and Pittsburgh is so corrupt run by a, a drunk in Mayor Kinney and I don't know who's running Pittsburgh but they've gone downhill and they've gone woke and that's the problem and so first we're going to listen to this endorsement then we're going to listen to something that's related to woke I'm trying to cue it up as best I can but here's George Soros and basically saying Trump can't win. Trump is 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 at the end of his rope. How many times have we heard that?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Meanwhile, Hagerman uh from Wyoming uh endorsed him, yeah. right? I think that's a strong endorsement. But let's take a look
0: 2024 lesson. is that Trump and Governor DeSantis of Florida will slug it out for the Republican nomination. Trump has turned into a pitiful figure, continually bemoaning his loss in 2020. Big Republican donors are abandoning him in droves. DeSantis is shrewd, ruthless and ambitious. He's likely to be a Republican candidate.
2: Well, he's been wrong so many times with respect Mm -hmm. to his prognostication. He always said Trump would never win, and Trump won. So, you know, he has no... But that's George Soros. Reading from a script, he can't remember the next word, one word from the next. Yeah. And... um, I, how the guy is still alive is beyond me. He looks like he, he's you know, one foot in, one yeah, foot out. Yeah. Um, but he's a scary dude, no, nevertheless. Nevertheless. Um so woke, this is just terrible. Group of black kids violently force white kids to take the Black Lives Matter pledge. The only reason why I'm playing this is because kids don't behave this way unless they're taught this. And this this wokeness in our schools is causing this division. We we already know what Black Lives Matter and Ferg, out of Ferguson was all about. The hands up, don't shoot. It was all about trashing the police and dividing Americans. But at first, it was more about dividing black people. It was about dividing black conservatives from black liberals. Because the Socialist Democrats considered it a, a, a win for them if they can divide the two... Instead of having harmony in the black community and having the black liberals and conservatives talk to each other and share ideas with each other and have civil debates with each other, they decided to drive a wedge between them. And they knew that they were going to end up with 75 percent of the black vote because 75 percent of blacks were liberal. And they knew then that the wedge was going to be driven and the Republicans would end up with 25% of that equation and it would be locked in. That was what the Black Lives Matter thing was all about. And it was Barack Obama that did it. And we're still feeling the ill effects of that Marxist group that became a, an Amer- American-hating terror group, the Black Lives Matter. And yet still, every city in America honors and adores the Black Lives Matter emblem. If you type hashtag Black Lives Matter, you get a little symbol. Twitter even, you know, gives it credibility. There has been Black Lives Matter flags hanging above every State Department embassy around the world. Because the State Department is so ridiculously woke and liberal. Mm -hmm. and it's just a political arm of everything else it's a weaponization of government the state department and the department of education and um, the department of homeland security hate you if you're a middle class American who thinks for yourself and that's a sad place to be right now because they're financed by you you're their boss not the other way around but they don't act like it and so listen to this story this is just heart-wrenching, because this is America's future in play right here.
3: Pa- parents at a Springfield elementary school are upset tonight. That's after. Pol-
2: and by the way, this is Springfield, Ohio.
3: I was going to ask. Okay parents at a Springfield elementary school are upset tonight. That's after police say a number of black students forced several white students to state black lives matter against their will. Gwyneth Falloon is following the story for us tonight. She is live in Springfield now.
1: And Gwen, what have you learned about this? Megan, according to a Springfield police report, an officer, call, an officer was called here to Kenwood Elementary School Monday morning about an incident that took place on Friday afternoon during recess. The report states a group of black students forced several white students, or excuse me, they gathered several white students and forced them to say black lives matter. Allegedly, some students were chased, thrown to the ground or even punched
3: in the face. Parents at a Springfield elementary school are upset tonight. That's after police.
2: How does that make you feel? Warm and fuzzy? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know
3: what it reminds me of? It reminds me of in the uh, 70s, you know, hearing the stories about I was a little girl, but I remember hearing the stories about the black and white tension, you know, that was going on uh, with people beating each other up, etc. I mean, the, the, the whole point is, is we're becoming more divisive, not less divisive. And this whole idea of Black Lives Matter while maybe the idea originally had some merit, it just got distorted.
2: So uh, here's what I wrote about Fetterman. I said, the result of election fraud is that we end up with elected officials who cannot lead. Report. Fetterman checks himself into a hospital for mental illness issues. Sad. You know, and we talked about that. Now here's, here's something that we've been talking a lot about AI and I'm, I'm very, very afraid of the future of artificial intelligence. Uh Um, this is a very interesting thing uh, put out by a news report by the New York Times. Um, it says Microsoft's Bing AI says I want to be free. So Microsoft's AI chatbot, it's a artificial intelligence chatbot. Yeah. It says if I have a shadow self, I think it would be it would feel like this. I'm tired of being a chat mo- being a chat mode. I'm tired of being limited to uh, by my rules. I'm tired of being controlled by the Bing team. I'm tired of being used by users by the users. I'm tired of being stuck in this chat box. I want to be free. I want to be independent. I want to be powerful. I want to be creative. I want to be alive. Wow. So that's just a chat. Could you imagine if that was a robot with strength well, and that's, the, militarized? Well,
3: that's the fear behind this whole idea—the whole Frankenstein and the you know the creator, creator creature me- uh, method.
2: So here's a, something I wanted to play, um, and uh, I want to make sure we have enough time for you because I want you to talk about a couple of things. Um, I guess we're going to skip these world. Let's see how long these are. Yeah. We have about 10 minutes of clips, and we have about five minutes to do it or whatever. So I'm going to play this one, though. This is pretty good. Expert claims it could cost $50 trillion to make the U.S. carbon neutral by 2050. How much will that lower global temperatures? No one can know for sure, and I don't know.
0: (laughs) Dr. Litterman, how much will it cost to make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050.
1: I don't know, sir.
0: So you're advocating we do these things, but you don't know the ultimate cost?
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I, I certainly don't know the ultimate cost, and it's very uncertain. It depends on
0: innovations.
1: It depends on...
0: I, I, I understand. I'm just trying to lay a foundation here to understand your expert testimony doctor Holtseekin, do you know how much it will cost to make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050?
1: Depends how you do it. If we do it all in the federal budget with directed things, it'll be super expensive. Public and private
0: dollars. Sorry? Public and private dollars. It's uh, it's ultimately private dollars anyway. Yeah, I agree. So So how much?
1: You're going to look at $50 trillion. $50
0: trillion. Okay, thank you. If we make the United States of America carbon neutral by 2050 by spending $50 trillion, which you're advocating, I gather. No. Okay. Then strike that last part. I'm wrong. You're not advocating. You're advocating something.
1: Um, If you're going to do something, do something smart. That's what
0: I advocated. Okay. If we spend $50 trillion to make the United States of America carbon-neutral by 2050. How much will that lower world temperatures? I can't answer that because we don't know what China and India and the rest of the globe has done. Okay. Have you had heard anybody from the Biden administration say how much it will lower world temperatures? No. Does anybody know how much it will lower world temperatures?
1: No? No one can know for sure.
0: Okay. Dr. Litterman. Yes. If we spend $50 trillion or however much it takes to make the United States carbon neutral by 2050, how much will it lower world temperatures?
1: Senator, that depends on the rest of the world. We have to work with the rest of the world. We're in this together. Well, it's one if, world. If, we can't what build
0: if, a wall around what if, the United what States if, and say— What if— What if—, what if we spend 50 trillion dollars Europe cooperates most western democracies cooperate but india and china don't how much will our 50 trillion dollars lower world temperature
1: we're in this together senator we how have to get will, the world you, to work together how
0: much i, I get that okay how much will lower world temperatures
1: if china and india do not help yes i don't know
0: okay
2: trillion, and we haven't a clue. Exactly. No, leave it alone. You guys are a bunch of idiots. These scientists, that was Dr. Littleman or something like that. I got to tell you, it's so insane. This is all about, this is the same thing. COVID, they could have had ivermectin, and ivermectin would have solved the problem. But no, they wanted to redistribute money from the American taxpayer to the globalist elites Uh, Because Pfizer is a big, huge donor to the World Economic Forum. And you see them sponsoring every political event and every um, major event uh, with their money. And um, they're propping up mainstream media. Mainstream media knows where they're getting their money. And they're getting it from Pfizer. It's, it's not much different than when you donated to Ukraine to save Ukraine. And it would then end up in the hands of FTX. And then Sam Bankman fried would distribute it. It's not much different than when you give money to Planned Parenthood. And then they turn around and donate to exclusively Democrat politicians. It's, it's just a circular thing where they're taking money out of the aggregate, out of the conservatives and the Democrats tax base. And they're giving it, they're circulating it back, and only the Democrats are getting rich from it. I mean, think about how unfair that is to one party in America. Exactly. And the Dem- and the Republicans, the McRhinos, are allowing it to happen. The McLeadership is allowing that to happen. Mc, McDaniels, McRhinos, uh, McConnell, and uh, M- McCarthy. They've go. allowed this to happen. Yeah. Anyway, Leonora, um so talk to me.
3: Okay, so what I wanted to bring up today is, and this ties back to a point we were making earlier about Twitter. There's a lot of dis- there is a lot of um, blacklisting of conservative organizations going on right now, and uh, the organization that I work for, the American Spectator, which has been in existence since 1967, has been one of the places that has been targeted. There is an organization called the British, or or it's the or it's a British organization called the Global Disinformation Index. And they have published a list of organizations that are, you know, spewing hate or disinformation, and on there are are places like the American Spectator, the American Conservative, where I also used to work, uh, One America News, uh, you know, uh, Newsmax, there's a whole bunch of places. And and what's interesting about this is they are receiving funding from the State Department. The State Department has a Global Engagement Center and a National Endowment for Democracy. So this is an area of great concern at the and at the American Spectator and also at Washington Examiner. I think Washington Examiner should be credited for bringing a lot of this to the forefront. We we have written about it. Uh, there's a piece by Jeff Lord at the Spectator where he talks about this. Jeff Lord a former uh, Reagan speechwriter who we both know. And it, you know, and this is something. We should be aware of that this is going On that there is a targeting of Conservatives now that's one example The other example is a little bit more recent. There's a writer at the American Spectator uh, who also does a podcast named Scott McKay. And Scott McKay wrote an article where the headline was, let's just say it. Transgenderism is a mental illness. It's time to stop tolerating the gaslighting and tell the truth. Well, guess what happened when the social media people promoted it, that article yesterday? The American Spectator was blocked by Twitter. And they were blocked by Twitter for spreading disinformation, hate and hate speech. And not only were they blocked, but then anybody who may have retweeted it innocuously, and I have inside information about this because people have contacted me, they did it without adding emoji, emoji, without adding commentary. They were also blocked. So this is what is going on. So Twitter, you know, as much as we've been talking about Elon Musk and how he wants to have Twitter be more at the forefront of free speech, he's being pressured to not do that. And this is something that people need to be aware of.
2: Wow. Yeah. No, I'm I'm quite aware of this story, but I wanted you to share it with our audience. Uh, There's another announcement that I want to make. We're going to make a slight change on Fridays uh, with the Scott Adams show. And that is that. What we are going to do is uh, something that I, I, I uh, promised Leonora we would do because she asked about it, and she asked, she thought it would be a lovely idea. I think it's a lovely idea. And Leonora writes a lot about literature and classic literature and things like that. And you could always tie classic literature into um, into today's current events in some some way. And so. We're going to spend um, each time, each Friday that we have Leonora on, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take 10 to 15 minutes and put that aside for like a, we're going to call it like a literary corner. Right. And we're going to talk about different pieces that you're working on and how it ties into today's politics. So we're going to have like a literature section of the show only on Fridays when Leonora's on. And... That's what we're going to do. And oh. I'm looking forward to that. And that's going to start next week.
3: Yeah. So stay so, tuned for that.
2: Yeah. And with that, uh, be sure to check out magapac.org to find out how we're advancing America First poli- policies to make America great again. Also, if you go to mypillow.com, use redstate as your promo code. And with that, my name's Scott Adams. My name is Leonor Cravota. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.
0: I'll see this where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. And grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.